You know, there was a place in Scripture where the Bible says that there was in Bethesda by the sheep market a pool. And there were several porches that had been built there because people learned that when the water got troubled at a certain time, the Bible says, there's that word again, a certain time. It was a certain day in Acts chapter 3. The pool of Bethesda, they learned at a certain time, an angel of the Lord would come and trouble the water. And the first one in would be healed of whatever sickness or disease they had. And Jesus shows up there at the pool of Bethesda. You know, we get this picture. It was like this beautiful pool. It was not a beautiful pool. It was by the sheep market. You understand? It was a pool by the sheep market. It was so they could get some water if they needed water. Probably didn't smell too good. They didn't have a filtration system back then, you understand. And people getting in it, it, no, yeah, not this beautiful, clear crystal water bubbling with a filter, you know, and a little fountain in the middle. They didn't care what it looked like. They learned. Whoever got in first gets healed. Sometimes, you know, I decided something along the way. I don't care what my miracle looks like, Lord. But Jesus shows up at the market, and the man's laying there, and he'd been lame 38 years, this guy, if I remember correctly. 38 years, and Jesus, God manifested in the flesh, stops in front of this man and says, Would you like to be made whole? And his response should be what? Yes. But that's not what he said. He said, there's no man when the water's troubled to put me in the pool. His attention was focused on what he thought he needed someone else to do. For his miracle to take place. His thoughts were focused. On what he thought was the only source. Of his miracle. When he did not realize the very source of every true miracle of God. Was standing in front of him. Asking the question. The Holy Ghost really wants us to recognize. God is present here. The miracle worker. Would you lift your voice and hands one more time as Brother Johnstone takes his microphone and begins to minister to us? God, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you today, God. I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. God, I worship you. I worship you. God is good, isn't he? You may be seated. Verses that have been rolling over in me. Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul talked about how that God would confirm his word with signs and wonders. 
He talked about the demonstration of the Spirit. When the Word of God is preached, because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, when the Word of God is preached, God wants to confirm miracles, signs, and wonders. This is what God chose. And so what God is wanting to do this morning is the supernatural. Please understand, this doesn't happen every time we come to church in this dimension. I'm just trying to help us understand the necessity of the hour and where you're at in your need of a miracle. Whether it is a need of receiving the Holy Ghost, a healing, you haven't made up your mind about baptism yet, or whatever that need may be, you're praying for a family member. But whatever it is, somewhere I would want to release my faith in God right now. Because this could be my time. This could be my hour. It was the man at the gate, beautiful as we learned. It was his time. Today, it could be your time. When we look at miracles, if we could, just for a second, I have been blessed to see blind eyes open. I've seen them come out of wheelchairs. I have seen cancer healed. I've seen uh, heart patients healed. Uh, uh, God has blessed us just to, to be a part of the work of the kingdom, okay? Now, understand this. By his stripes, we are healed. I, there's a reason that I am healed. There is a reason that these miracles happen. In the miracle of healing, Jesus took a tremendous beating in order for you and I to be healed. There was a price that was paid that I can simply lift my hands and my faith to God and say, God, I need a healing today. I am depending on you. There has to come in miracles, signs and wonders, there has to come a surrender of my life to his will. Sometimes what happens is God is dealing with me in an area of my life and I'm resisting God in that area of my life and therefore God is not willing at that time to heal me till I come to the place I say, okay, God, I've got my ears on, I'm listening, and I will do what you're asking me to do. It could be simple repentance. It could be forgiveness. It could be a number of things. Only between you and God would you know what that would be. So, that's not the greatest thing, though. The greatest miracle that you and I can experience is salvation. Because I could be brought out of a wheelchair today, never repent, never be baptized, never be filled with the Holy Ghost, but I'm not going to heaven. So, the greatest miracle, now catch this, the beating was horrible, But he loved you so much, he said, I'll give my life that you could have salvation. I'll give my life that you could be filled with my spirit. This is why it's the greatest miracle is for you and I to have salvation, repentance, water baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Remember in the Old Testament, God was with man. He was with Abraham and, and did mighty miracles with, through Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and, and Moses up on the mountain so many times and, and the writing of the Ten Commandments and all that took place. God was just with them. But that wasn't the heartbeat of God. That's not really what he wanted. This old covenant would have to be done away and a new covenant would have to come in. He says, why? Because it's Christ in me. 
my hope of glory. It's him dwelling on the inside of me, not him just dealing with the outside of me and just me feeling his presence once in a while. Oh, no, no, no. He said, I want to get in the inside. He said, because out of your belly shall flow rivers, rivers of living water. And this spake he of the spirit of the living God. Sometimes we get our thinking mixed up a little bit on what it takes to receive the Holy Ghost. Do you, I want you to understand today, all it takes for you to get the Holy Ghost, if you've repented of your sins, we'll cover that in a minute, but if you've repented of your sins and you're willing just to begin to worship God and love him, he'll give you the Holy Ghost. I can prove it. My son got the baptism of the Holy Ghost at four years old in a three-car garage where we were having church. See, it's about worship. It's about the honesty of my heart opening up to him. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. God never intended this to be difficult, but I make it difficult sometimes. Oh, how could that happen? And what would, or, you know, it doesn't make it. You, Lord, you got to make it hard. If you want me to do it, you got to make it hard. When God said, but I don't make it hard. The simplicity that is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what I want us to understand as we look at the greatest miracle of all, if you're here today and you have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want you to start praying during this service, God, I want that. That's what I want in my life. I could not be here today if it was not for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The world had too much of a hold on me. That in my carnality or in my flesh to say, no, no, I won't go back to alcohol. No, I won't go back to that. I won't go back. I won't go back. But when God filled me with his spirit, now it's not about me doing it. It's Christ in me who's helping me to say, son, don't go over there. Son, don't, don't get in that conversation. Son, no. See, my heavenly father loves us. And he's here to help us. And where he can give you and I the greatest help of all is when we allow him to come in. Now, notice, you have to invite him in. He's not going to knock you down on the floor today and hold you down and say, you're going to speak in tongues or else. He doesn't work that way. God's going to say, if you'll lift your hands and your heart and your voice and just begin to worship me and invite me to come in, I will come in. And, and we need that power. We need that anointing in our life and, and the strength of God to do what God asks us to do. We know that in John 4 and 24 that God is a spirit. Everything that God is going to work is in the spirit. Now, if it took the spirit of God to write the Bible, which it said, and God uh, spake to men and they wrote what he said to write. If it took the spirit of God to write the book, it's going to take the spirit of God to understand the book. See, everything's about walking in the Spirit and God working in your life and in my life in this personal relationship with God. When we pick up John the Baptist, see, we look for polished things. We, we look for everything to be prim and proper because in the church world, if I could use that terminology, down through the years is cathedrals and robes and and gold and, and, and a lot of a lot of fancy stuff and and we picture that. But notice when Jesus is getting ready to come on the scene 
And John the Baptist, who was prophesied in the Old Testament, would be the forerunner, and he would be the one that would start proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand and that we needed to repent. What is interesting was John never dwelt in town. He grew up in the desert. The Bible said in the wilderness. And when John's ministry began, it was on the countryside. His pulpit was a riverbank. Was, he wasn't in the synagogue. Come on. He was, see, you're looking for something to be polished when God said, you know, I can take the rough and what seems a little bit crude, and I can do an amazing work through that. See, you don't got to be perfect today. You don't have to be polished today. But what I have to be is open to allowing him to have his way in my life. God won't give you what you don't want. I have to want it. I want to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So John was preaching in, in, in the kingdom of God, and the things were beginning to move, and it became awesome. Now, the first step in receiving the Holy Ghost is repentance. I got I to gotta repent. As Jesus died on Calvary, for sin, I now, because I'm repenting, I'm starting to die to sin. God does not give me the Holy Ghost to enjoy sin. God's giving me the Holy Ghost to overcome, to walk away, to separate. See, he's a God of holiness, and holiness just means separated, dedicated unto him. So now that I'm doing that, he knows I'm going to need help and strength. Isn't it amazing that he doesn't ask me to do anything on my own? Now, granted, I do a million things on my own and get in trouble and have to back up and say, God, sorry, help me let go of this. I was just helping you out a little bit, but I can see you don't want any help in this. So I'm going to get my hands off of it. And I'm going to turn it over to you. Come on, that's just how we are. But thank God in his patience and his love and his grace and his mercy, he works with us through that process to understand, no, I want to work this in your life for my glory, he said. So repentance is the first thing that comes. Uh, Acts 2, 37 through 39, could we put that up? Uh, and so this is the birth of the church, and it becomes important that we look at the, the things that are said. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Could I use another word? Convicted. They heard preaching. Now, this is amazing in Acts chapter 2, the whole chapter to me, in this. They have waited several thousand years for the Messiah to come. When, the, when he shows up, does miracle signs and wonders, they crucify him. Now Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, and you crucified the Lord of Christ. Now, see, most of us would say, well, how do you get out of that mess? You know, we waited 2,000 years for him to get here. We killed him. Kind of seems like we'd messed up forever. Oh, no. Oh, no. Notice what he said. Now, when they heard us, they were pricked in their hearts, and Peter said unto them, the rest of the apostles, Notice this, men and brethren, what shall we do? They're asking the question when it comes to salvation or help. How many of you realize that the word salvation is also the same word deliverance? God, how do we get deliverance out of this mess? We have really messed up this time. Notice the next verse. And Peter said unto them, repent. God, I'm sorry. 
Repentance is not a difficult thing. You and I sometimes struggle with surrender. That, that, yeah. Really, God? Yeah, okay. And I come to that place, then I surrender. Repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of heart. It's a change of direction. Because the direction I'm going is detrimental. The direction I'm going, I'm going to hit a brick wall. The direction I'm going, if I stay on that path, I'm going to miss out on the things of God. So in repentance puts me in right relationship with God, where I'm out of relationship with God. Repentance says, God, I'm sorry for how I've lived my life. God, I'm sorry for how I've treated you. Lord, I'm sorry for how I have treated others. God, I'm sorry for how I have destroyed my life. And some of us have done a pretty good job of making a mess of our lives. But I'm so thankful today that in repentance, God, with his blood, washes that away and said, that's okay, son. That's okay, daughter. There's grace here sufficient to take care of all of this. We talked a little bit about it Thursday night, but, but you and I have to be willing to accept the grace of God. Even this morning, Elder Hart talked about it. Would you receive it? You know, it's easy to believe for Brother Hart to, to be, uh, have a miracle of healing. But if I've got cancer, it's like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Where's my burial insurance? Uh, I like red roses. And I forget the way, wait, God can heal. It's always tougher for you and I to believe for our own miracles. But I'm here to tell you, God wants to do a miracle for you today. I believe that miracles brings the reality of God in my life, that he's still working, he's still moving, because I have a financial need this morning. God, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. I don't know how it's going to take place. But, God, I'm going to trust you. I need a miracle in my finances, God. I'm sick in my body right now, God. I'm going through some things. But, but I know that by your stripes today I could be healed, not tomorrow. Let's go to Hebrews 11 and 1. I'm only going to read one word dealing with faith this morning. One word's all I want to bring out in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It's revolutionized my thinking some years ago. Everybody say now. now. This is going to happen now. This ain't next Sunday. This ain't wait until Thursday night. And if I feel the same thing, no, 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 no. Today is the day of salvation. I can have this today. This is for me right now. So he said, repent. If we go back to Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Why? As Jesus was crucified and died on a cross, they took him off of that cross and buried him in a tomb. Romans 6 said, therefore, we are buried with him in baptism. It was a watery grave that where God, the blood could be applied and all of my sins could be washed away. Washed away. Never to be called upon again. Never to stand before God and say, remember when you did that. No, no, no. That is gone. But that is not enough. You're going to need my anointing. You're going to need my spirit to do what I'm calling you to do. Everybody has giftings. Everybody has talent. Everybody has ability because God gave it to you in the womb. But in order for me to be my best at that gifting, calling, or ministry, I'm going to have to rely on the Holy Ghost to help me fulfill it. 
See, this is why it becomes so important for me. And I, I want to fulfill God's will for my life. I, I, uh, I'm an old timer, but uh, I have prayed, God, help me finish strong. Uh, I don't want to coast into heaven. I, I don't want to just, uh, you know, well, I made it. Here I am. But let's finish this race strong. Let's be about my father's business. And it's only going to be done in the Holy Ghost. It's only going to be done in the spirit of the living God. So God is going to help us. Now, we've repented of our sins. What happens when you repent of your sins and you're going to pray for the Holy Ghost? You have to stop repenting and go to worship. Remember, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Once you have repented, however long that may be, I, I see a lot of people, the reason they don't get the Holy Ghost, they never stop repenting. They may be up here a half hour weeping and crying, but they're repenting and repenting over the same thing that the blood has covered 500 times. you got to stop that. you, you got to come to that place. I am forgiven. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to worship. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to love him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my might. Now, you're looking at a guy that took a while to get the Holy Ghost. But I will tell you that that it was just me not understanding completely what God wanted to do. So uh, I'm trying to help somebody here this morning. So you got to stop repenting this morning. If you, if you need to repent, we'll repent, okay? But once you stop repenting, then what the next step you need to take is you need to begin to worship God. Now, the Bible said in Acts 5 and 32 that God gave the Holy Ghost to those who obeyed him, okay? Now, if you come up here and you're praying to receive the Holy Ghost and God deals with you, let's just say for an example, uh, that I got some unforgiveness in my heart and the Lord may say, would you please forgive them? Now, if I don't, I'm probably not going to get the Holy Ghost. God gave the Holy Ghost to those that obeyed him. So if there's something that God is asking you to do, then you need to become obedient to that. Now, I don't have a problem with you saying, God, I can't do this on my own. But if you would fill me, I'm, I'm, I'm making a covenant right now. I'm going to forgive them, but I'm going to need your help. Because I can do it now, but tomorrow morning I may, okay, God, no, I forgive my, help me, Lord. Is that too real? I'm trying to help us understand. That's why I need the Holy Ghost, because he'll check my spirit. Ah, you put that on the altar. Don't you dare pick that back up. See, he's helping me. He's on my side. He knows that I can't fulfill his will if I hang on to those type things. Okay? Now, receiving the Holy Ghost in my praise and in my worship to God. When you speak in an unknown tongue, you're not going to understand it. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 14 and 14. Some people think when you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, God does all the work. That's not true. The Holy Ghost is by faith. I'm going to worship and praise him by faith, okay? If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. That means you're not going to understand what you're saying. You're speaking in another tongue, another language. You're not going to understand it. It's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. See, you and I want control of everything. God, you want me to do that? You tell me ahead of time. 
so I know what to expect. And he goes, no, 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 no. You want the Holy Ghost. When I speak to you, I want you to speak the words that I put in your spirit. See, God doesn't speak in tongues. You do. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse number 4. We making any sense? I'm, I'm trying to help somebody because God wants to do miracles this morning. And sometimes we get some things that we don't understand about receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we think that God's just going to do it. Everything that you and I do in the kingdom of God, we're, we're in partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything. It's not up to me. But there is my part. I cannot find one miracle in Scripture that God did not require somebody to step out in faith and do something. Even when Lazarus was raised from the dead, hey, roll the stone away. You know, we could argue, oh, really? I mean, the guy's been dead four days. Why? You know, they're going to stink. You Really? But see, somebody didn't question God. Somebody said, he said, roll the stone away. I'm rolling it away. And they rolled it away, and Lazarus came forth. The miracle came forth. If you're here today, it may not make much sense to you what God is asking you to say or speak, but it's the Holy Ghost wanting to do a miracle in your life. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. Catch this, as the Spirit gave them what? Utterance. Say, you're going to speak it. God's going to give you sounds and syllables, and by faith, you're going to speak it. I like what Isaiah said in Isaiah 28, for he said, with stammering lips and another tongue would he speak. Now, many times when people go to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the stammering lips come first. That's just God preparing you, okay? Now, perfect, you're obeying me, you're, you're doing what I'm asking you to do. Now, I want to baptize you. See, to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, you know, we know that in water baptism, we're baptized in a liquid or a substance, the liquid. The substance is the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of God. I want to baptize you with my spirit. I want to overwhelm you. I want to, to just flood you in the Holy Ghost. That's why in, in John 7, uh, beginning in verse 37, could we go to that verse uh, it talks about living water. Every time in Scripture, when you look at living water, he always depicting the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, working in your life. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. In that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood. Did you know that the priests never stood? They sit. Now, the only reason I'm bringing this out is Jesus is going to emphasize something here. He's going to get your attention about something here. So when everybody else would normally sit during this reading, he stands up. Imagine, Peter, what's he doing now? What's he up to now? And stood and cried or yelled or with a loud voice, which, again, you don't do that. You sit. And you read it, but you don't make any, you know, loud remarks or whatever. So what is Jesus doing? I'm going to stand where they normally sit, and, and I'm going to yell out something where normally it is quiet, okay? If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Next verse, please. He that believeth on me, now catch this, as the scripture has said. We're in the book. We know what thus saith the Lord. This is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
but this spake he of the Spirit. So we know what he's talking about. It's going to flow out of you, rivers of living water. That's why it's in other speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And please understand something about when that river's flowing, it's cleansing some things on the inside. It's taking care of some things on the inside of you because this is an inside job. We we won't always worry about the outside. God said, I'm a whole lot more concerned about the inside. I need to get the heart right. I need to get the spirit right. I need to get the thinking right. So I want to start on the inside and I'll work it to the out. That's why the Holy Ghost is so important. I can come and look right, but not be right. That's why I got to have the Holy Ghost. I want to be right. I want to love him with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my might. So he's wanting us to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can we go to Acts chapter 10? And I believe verse 44. While we're turning there, if you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost this morning, would like to have a couple things I want to share with you. I don't want you to look down. I don't want you to pray looking down. Did you know that in World War I and II, when our men were captured, they would put them in a box with their head down because that's the most depressing position that you can put a person in? You can't drink water looking down. Now, you don't get a straw. You don't. <laughs> the reason we lift our hands, it creates a fire. We look up. This is important. You'll say, but my personality is very, very quiet. It may be, but the only way that the Bible declares that they knew they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost is they heard them. See, you don't see somebody get the Holy Ghost. They could be speaking in Spanish for all you know. But you hear them. Speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. Okay? I don't want you to look down. I want you to lift your hands and look up. And I want you just simply to worship Him. And when the Spirit of God moves on you, I want you to yield to that. It's just simple worship. You, you don't got to do anything terrible or horrible or go through anything. Now, let's, let's look at this. And while Peter yet spake these words, this is to the Gentiles... Uh, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. Now, notice the Holy Ghost fell on them. Next verse, please. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles have poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, next verse. How do we know? How do we know they got the Holy Ghost? For they heard them. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now, we're back to worship again, aren't we? It's just worshiping God. Now, one thing that is beautiful about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's not the end. You can pray through tomorrow morning again. You can pray through tomorrow night again. You can pray through the next day. And there are times you really need to press in and, and seek God to where that river just flows. You, you'll get to a place that that anointing just comes because you put yourself in that place and in the presence of God. See, it's not a one-time thing. I worry sometimes that people say, I got the Holy Ghost, I'm going to heaven. When's the last time you prayed back through? 1947. We're leaky vessels. You could be on empty. 
and I need a refilling. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost when the Lord comes. I'm not wanting to take any chances. If I'm going to be taken up out of here by His Spirit, I want that tank on full. I want to make sure I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to go halfway up. Oh, sorry, bub, you're out of gas. (laughs) I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Everything God does is to the fullest in our lives. Salvation's to the fullest. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost will be to the fullest in your life. It will change you forever. It changed my life. I, I struggled coming to God because I was in the world and I didn't want to let go of the world. But once God filled me with the Holy Ghost, it was easier to let go, easier to walk away. And I can honestly tell you the reason that I'm here today is you just kept praying through. Okay, God, help me. Please understand that. Help me. I'm struggling with this, God. Help me. If I'll pray through, if I'll pray through, there'll be a renewed strength that comes. There'll be a renewed joy comes. I've been doing this a couple of days. I've seen people struggle. But in their struggles, and, and I know that they're, they're on a teeter-totter of do I stay in church, do I leave, and, you know, I'm not sure this is working or not working. I'm here to tell you, when they pray back through to the Holy Ghost, it settles everything. See, the enemy's lying, and he's trying to feed me a bunch of lies. But if I would just pray back through and say, God, what do you say? I need your spirit. I need your It changes your whole thing. You know, it amazes me when Jesus was praying in the, in, 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 in the Mount of Transfiguration, and the Bible said, and his countenance was changed. You receive the Holy Ghost, your countenance is going to change. It's going to change. That's why I want it every day. Not just a one-time thing, hoping that's all I need to get to heaven. But I want to be able to worship him wherever I'm at. The Lord has burdened me for this service ever since I knew that I was going to preach. Late last night in prayer, early this morning in prayer. And as I come in and Elder Hart is sharing what he is sharing, if you're willing, miracles are here today. What do you need from God today? Could you simply lift your head, your hands, your heart, your voice to God And simply begin to worship him and praise him. Do you realize that after Acts chapter 2, nobody tarried for the Holy Ghost? People prayed for it and got it. This this, this shouldn't take a long time. If I'm repented of my sin, open my voice. I've worked with people to get the Holy Ghost and I can't get them to speak. They want to be quiet. You can't be quiet. We got to hear you speaking in tongues. Now, that's not my plan. That's what God said. That's what the Word said. And so for me to confirm that you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, I've got to hear you speaking in tongues, or Brother Lewis or Brother Robert, whoever's praying with people, that, that's the, the evidence that we're looking for. Now, if you don't, then it's going to be difficult. Probably won't happen. So I'm, I'm trying to encourage somebody today. This is a thing to hinder people. Now, the reason that we want God to do what he wants to do this morning, because you can get discouraged praying for something if you don't think it's happening. 
But what if it's not happening because I'm not opening up? What if it's not happening because I'm not worshiping out loud? So that his anointing can fall like he wants it to do. So notice, I don't want to hinder him from filling me with the Holy Ghost. So what I've shared with you, I'm hoping will get you to realize, okay, I've got to restrict my hands, my heart, and my voice. I've got to come to the place. I don't care who hears me. I don't care what it sounds like. I just want you, Lord. I just need you right now. You working in my life. You help bringing me out of this crisis. Are you changing this situation in my life? Whatever it is, God, I just want to surrender everything to you. Could you just stand with me this morning? And could we just begin to worship him? Could we just begin to surrender everything? Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, we worship you, Jesus. We give you glory and honor and praise. We adore and magnify and exalt you. You are the living God. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords, and we worship you. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, you are great and greatly to be praised, and we magnify you, O God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Holy Ghost is a gift. It's a gift. I don't want any gift you got to beg for. We don't beg for the Holy Ghost. Why is it so important? Jesus said, I dwell with you. But I will dwell in you. This spake he of the Holy Ghost. Read it, John 14. It's very, very clear. He said, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus said. That's why in Acts 3 and 20, they said, receive ye the Lord Jesus Christ. They were telling them, receive the Holy Ghost. Now, I didn't know Brother Johnstone was going to talk about this today. I just knew that after he taught Thursday, he probably thought I was crazy because I messaged him Friday morning and said, hey, I think I want you to preach Sunday too. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. Some of you heard me say this before, but it bears repeating again for those of you that have heard it and for those that haven't. Somebody asked me once, do you have to speak in tongues to receive the Holy Ghost? And I said, no. I said, but when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you will speak in tongues. See, because our focus isn't tongues. Our focus is him, his spirit dwelling in us. And we see it as was shared in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. When they received the Holy Ghost, something happened that became visible to everybody. Read it. Search it for yourself. 
why does the Holy Ghost matter? I can't be led by the Spirit without being filled with the Spirit. And Jesus said, again in John 14, that the Holy Ghost would lead us and guide us into all truth. It leads us into all truth. And if you look at that in the whole context of John 14, we often quote the early part of John 14, verse 6, I believe, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. It is verse 6. Yeah, I get it right every once in a while. He said, I am, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But then later on in the same chapter, he said, the Holy Ghost will lead you into all truth. And in the same chapter, he called the Holy Ghost, capital S, the Spirit of Truth. You want truth? You want to be led into all truth? Hear me. There ain't a one of us that has arrived. There's things I thought I knew that the more I studied Scripture and the Holy Ghost began to reveal, I'm like, man, I, I thought that wrong, Brother Joel. I had a wrong conception or perception. But I sought him in prayer, dug in his word, and the Holy Ghost began to reveal. Brother Johnstone said it perfectly. You can't read a word that's been written, inspired by the Spirit, and truly get the fullness of revelation without the Spirit. You want to read the word in a way you never have. Get the author of the book inside you. The love of God. Anybody want the love of God flowing and operating through your life to reach others? I do. You know what the scripture says? It says the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Think it matters? Anybody planning on lifting out of here when the trumpet sounds? Yes. The scripture says, if that same spirit which dwelt in Christ dwell in you, then at that trumpet sounding, that same spirit will quicken your mortal bodies. You need the Holy Ghost to get you out of here. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Last thing. Someone often wants to say, hold on a minute, I'm saved by grace. Well, I am too. But you can't just take those three words of the verse and ignore the rest of it and go, oh, that, no, 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 I'm just saved by grace. I don't want, the rest don't matter. It does matter. It all matters. We are saved by grace. Anybody know what the next, next two words say? Through what? Oh, and then what does it say? And it is the, and we, not of ourselves, but it is the, it's what? It's, the, it's what? The gift. Oh, oh, it's the gift. We are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Hold, watch. It's not the gift from God. It's the gift of God. That changes everything. 
I used the example the other night in a Bible study. Like I said, hey, no, we're going to talk about this today. I have my phone and my wallet. All my credit cards are in my phone wallet. Some of you see that. Don't take my phone after church. <laughs> see, if you would even think about taking it, that's why you need the Holy Ghost. But I said, if I took my wallet and I said to you, I have a gift from my wallet for you. You could say, okay, what are you going to give me from your wallet? But if I came to you and said, no, I don't have a gift from my wallet. I'm giving you the gift of my wallet. That's quite different, isn't it? You're saved by grace through faith. Not saved by grace without faith. Saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Woo, that changes everything. It's the gift of God. It's the reason the writer of Hebrews called the Holy Ghost the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of Grace. So what did Paul meant when he said you're saved by grace through faith? He didn't mean grace is warm and fuzzy and it doesn't matter what you do, how you live. Grace is just poof, now you're saved. That's what the world makes it to be today. But that's not what he meant. He meant without grace, I would be lost. Because I'm carnal in my own nature. And so without grace, and if I do my own thing, I'm going to be lost. So how do I do what I'm supposed to do to please God? Knowing the man that I am, I can't. So what do I need? I need something to enable me to do what I cannot do myself. Why? Because in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, the Apostle Paul said. So what do I need to do good? I need something enabling me. What enables me? Grace. Grace is the power that enables you and I to do what we cannot do ourselves. That's grace. That's why we're saved by grace. Because grace has enabled us to do what we can't do ourselves. Not a, there's a little grace, now you're saved. That's a gross distortion of Scripture to teach that that way. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of grace. This may shock you, but in my human nature, I don't love everybody, Brother Joel. I love you. But you know what? It's funny. Ironic funny. When I'm in fellowship with God, I can meet somebody like Zenaida. This wonderful. She's easy to love. <laughs> I ain't known her a year. Maybe you have now. Time flies. How is it that you can meet someone you've not hardly ever known, and all of a sudden, man, there's like a love. Like, I feel like I've known Sterling for 20 years, and we've only met eight or nine times. We're still trying to get a cup of coffee, and it hadn't worked out. But what's, what does that? Oh, you're just such a good person. No, I'm not. Newsflash. No, you're not either. But the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The indwelling Spirit of Christ causes His love to be shed abroad in my heart. 
And so when we come in contact with a lost and hurting world, you understand they're not drawn to my personality. God forbid. I'm not trying to win somebody to my personality. God forbid my charisma. God forbid. He's no respecter of persons anyway. I want him to know him. I want him to know him. And so I want him living in me. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Johnson, for the word of the Lord. Thank you for hearing and receiving the word of the Lord. I look forward to hearing about the miracles.